They go my free speech, a high school student's mission to protect their right to gripe on weekends. David Hudson from the Freedom Forum Institute, a First Amendment expert, joins us. I'm Lawrence Cluddy, and this is Legal Talk Today. Welcome back, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Our episode today is about free speech in schools. But first, we need to thank our sponsor, Noda. Noda is powered by M&T Bank because you went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. How true. Take advantage of Noda, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Visit trustnoda.com forward slash legal to learn more. That's Noda spelled N-O-T-A. Terms and conditions may apply. All right, let's say hello to our guest, David L. Hudson Jr. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Dave, we're going to be talking about a Supreme Court case, obviously about free speech in schools. But uh, before we get there, I noticed, uh, you know, in your bio that uh, you're a professor at Belmont University College of Law. You also do some work for the Free Speech Center and you're an author. So why don't we just take a minute or two here and talk about the work you do? Absolutely. Well, like you said, I teach law at Belmont University College of Law. It's a law school that started in 2011, and we have great students. It's a it's a great, beautiful campus, and um, obviously, I'm I'm biased because I love Nashville, Tennessee, where it's located. I also do a lot of work for the Freedom Forum. I'm a First Amendment fellow for the Freedom Forum Institute, and I also work some with the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. Okay, I just got to ask this follow up question because we just did a show on moonshining. Is uh, the Tennessee whiskey better than, say, Virginia? It's better than Virginia. I'm not sure it's as good as Kentucky, though. Okay, gotcha. All right, you're on the record. (laughs) So, well, let's get into the facts of this case. And so, uh, as I was reading in my research, this is basically a case about free speech, obviously, with a uh, cheerleader who did not get the position that she wanted on a team, started talking a little smack against her school, and then found herself in trouble. So, David, can you build out those facts just a little bit more for us? Absolutely. There was a student... In Supreme Court cases, when it involves a juvenile, and actually court cases in general, juveniles are usually known by their initials. So she is known in court papers as BL. Uh, BL had been a cheerleader since the fifth grade, and she was a cheerleader for the junior varsity squad. Well, she tried out for the varsity cheerleader squad, and when she found out she didn't make it, she found out on a Saturday and she was at a local convenience store on a Saturday afternoon, and she made a snap post that was fairly negative. It had some profanity in there. She said, F cheer, F everything, F softball. And a fellow member of the cheerleading squad essentially ratted on her and told her mother, who was one of the cheerleading coaches, and eventually BL got dismissed from the cheerleading squad for a year. And BL and her parents thought that this was unfair because she was being punished for purely off-campus speech. I know this case is before the uh, Supreme Court now, but just uh, procedurally speaking, where are we? So I think the cheerleader did get some type of, uh, she got flexibility here to participate in her season, and then the uh, school wanted to press this suit up. But uh, walk us through where we are procedurally speaking. How do we get to the Supreme Court and where are we in our status of weight? Absolutely. In our federal court system, there are really three different levels. There are trial courts, intermediate appellate courts, and a final appellate court. So in our system, there's federal district courts or the trial courts, federal courts of appeals or the intermediate appellate court, and the United States Supreme Court is what we call the final appellate court. BL prevailed before a federal district court 
She then also prevailed before the third U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. And as you indicated, the school district continued to believe that they were correct, that they had the power to discipline her for this. So they filed what's known as a petition for writ of certiorari seeking Supreme Court review. And the United States Supreme Court granted review. An oral argument is actually going to be heard on April 28th. Wow, the school must have been really angry with her. So, well, anyway, let, let's, uh, if we can, let's summarize what the court is going to be looking for in a single sentence question. What is it that they're going to have to end up figuring out here? So, this case is a little bit different than a typical free speech in school case. The court is going to have to determine how far the arm of school authority extends to student off-campus online speech. Perfect, perfect. So let's do a little history there, David. You know, um, you know, we've done some of these cases on our network before, but you know, kind of getting up to sort of a, a modern standard to free speech in schools and what uh, rights students have versus you know the schools have a right too to discipline students. And I think any analysis you know in the modern era starts with Tinker v. Des Moines, and so this is a 1969 case. And we actually had Mary Beth Tinker on our network uh, as a guest. She was on our Make No Law show with our host Ken White, and we did an episode called The Schoolhouse. Gates, which, you know, kind of harkens back to some of the uh, verbiage in the case. But, you know, this was a special case, you know, it was uh, kind of the end, the waning days of the Vietnam War there. And, uh, you know, people were demonstrating and, and, and all of that. And so can you just walk us through the standard that was created in that school, you know, by which rights the schools have to curtail student free speech? And so let's start with that. Absolutely. Well, you hit the nail on the head. The Tinker decision is a landmark U.S. Supreme Court decision. It is the student speech case, K through 12. And in that decision on February 24th, 1969, the court ruled seven to two in favor of John and Mary Beth Tinker and the late Christopher Eckhart. And the court ruled, quote, that it can hardly be argued that either students or teachers shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate, that Mary Beth and John Tinker wore black peace armbands that was peaceful political speech that caused no disruption and did not interfere with the rights of others. The standard that the court created is oftentimes referred to as the substantial disruption standard. In other words, public school officials may punish students or discipline students for their speech only if they can reasonably forecast that that speech will cause a substantial disruption or material interference with school activities. There's a second part of the Tinker Test, which is sometimes called the invasion of the rights of others. Some consider it dicta in the the Tinker case, but the court did indicate that public school officials can discipline students for student speech that interferes or invades the rights of others. That's not at issue in the Mahanoy Area School District versus BL case. The school district is arguing that they can discipline her because they could reasonably forecast that her SNAP would cause a substantial disruption of school activities, including harmony on the cheerleading squad. 
Okay, but before we get to that, what I want to do is build out more of that modern history since the Tinker days. So as I understand it, just kind of in my brief research here, that since the days of Tinker back in 1969, there have been several kind of pivotal cases that have come along that have sort of redefined a little bit students' free speech rights, kind of, and as I understand it, giving a little more leeway to the schools to make little infringements here and there to maintain discipline at the schools. So if you wouldn't mind, and we don't have to name all the cases, I just kind of want to walk through that standard as it got updated over time and uh, kind of figure out where we are today. So Supreme Court's going to have to make this very interesting case, which could have some very pivotal terminations in it uh, in terms of social media. So can you walk us through those past cases and get us up to the modern day? Absolutely. Well, we got the Tinker decision in 1969. That was a very different court than the Berger Court in the 1980s, or the Rehnquist Court in the late 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Essentially, what happened is the court has created three so-called tinker carve-outs or exceptions to the general tinker rule. The first one comes from a decision in 1986 called Bethel School District versus Frazier. And the rule from Frazier is that public school officials can prohibit student speech that is vulgar or lewd, but that only applies to on-campus speech. Two years later in 1988, the Supreme Court decided Hazelwood School District versus Kuhlmeyer. That involved the censorship of a school newspaper, actually two articles in a school newspaper. And the court created a separate standard for so-called school-sponsored student speech. And if student speech is school-sponsored, then school officials have greater leeway to regulate it. They only need a legitimate educational reason. The language that the court used was reasonably related to legitimate pedagogical concerns. Almost 20 years later, the court created another tinker carve-out in a case called Morse versus Frederick, 2007. It's colloquially known as Bong Hits for Jesus. (laughs) There, the court held that public school officials can prohibit student speech that they reasonably regard as advocating the illegal use of drugs. But it's very important to understand that Frazier, Hazelwood, and Morse are not applicable in Mahanoy. The issue here is whether the Tinker standard applies to off-campus social media speech. Frazier does not apply because the speech was off-campus. Okay, now one more stop before we get back to our Supreme Court case that's uh, currently under review. I want to go to universities and colleges. You know, so as high school students, they graduate, they go on to college, they go on to graduate school, right? And so they're still in a position where, you know, universities and colleges have an interest in disciplining their students. So, you know, after they turn 18, you know, that rubric for free speech changes. So how is it different at the college and graduate school level for students? Well, unfortunately, the difference isn't as great as it should be. Theoretically, because they're adults, they have greater free speech rights. Unfortunately, what you see in a lot of the case laws, the court will use the Tinker and Hazelwood standards sometimes and apply those in college and university student speech cases. Oh, interesting. That's something that we really need to talk about in another episode. <laughs> certainly, certainly. All right, well, let's turn our analysis back to our current case. So it's Mahanoy Area School District versus BL. This is the case that will uh, be decided soon, hopefully. And, uh, you know, like you said, this is about off-campus speech that is occurring on social media. So this happened uh, outside school hours, off school property, and yet the school wants to regulate this speech. So what factors is the court going to have to look at here in order to make their decision? 
Well, there's a host of amicus briefs from groups on each side that have argued everything from the fact that if we rule in favor of the student, then schools aren't going to be able to discipline students for harassment, cyberbullying, and all sorts of threatening behavior. I think that's overblown because this case doesn't involve threats, this case doesn't involve harassment, and this case doesn't involve cyberbullying. Ultimately, what the court's going to have to decide is, does the Tinker Standard, which deals with student speech that took place on campus, Mary Beth and John Tinker wore their black peace armbands at school, does that standard apply with full force to speech that was created and disseminated off campus? If it does, then the court is going to have to explain when the speech is purely off campus and when it somehow becomes on campus because the lines have become blurred. They're going to have to determine what is the test. Is it a nexus test? Is it a clear nexus test? Is it a reasonable foreseeability test? Or is it the case that Tinker simply doesn't apply and they will create a different standard? You know, and as much as I don't want them to regulate uh, free speech of students off campus, I would be interested to see what that test might be. I mean, all high school students, you know, have some kind of gripe about their high school. So, you know, eventually at some point they're going to have to figure that out. But uh, hopefully it doesn't go there. You know, I really don't want to see more infractions on free speech here, especially on social media. You know, leave the kids alone, you know. Uh, but uh, where do you think the Supreme Court uh, is going to come down on this? If you were to put your prediction hat on it, where, where do you think uh, they decide? How is it going to come out? You know, I I really don't know. I'm very hopeful that the court will recognize that even if they find that the Tinker Standard applies, I just don't think there's evidence of substantial disruption here. So I'm hopeful that the court will find that on the facts of this case, there's enough in the record for them to rule that there's simply not enough to be a reasonable forecast of substantial disruption. More importantly, however, I think the court needs to realize that there's a certain amount of off-campus student social media speech that is simply beyond their jurisdiction, right? So we've got to have a ruling on the fundamental jurisdictional issue, and then hopefully we'll get a ruling where the court says, look, there's just simply not a reasonable forecast of substantial disruption here. Well, that sounds like sound analysis to me, David. So thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed our conversation. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. And thank you listeners for tuning in. Without you, there's no show and that's no fun. So thank you for making the show part of your day. And one more time, thank you to our sponsor, Noda. You can find them at trustnota.com forward slash legal. That's Noda spelled N-O-T-A. And last but never, never, never least, thank you to our team producer, Molly McDonough, and our LTN audio crew for their continued dedication. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Cluddy. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.